Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. If you will indulge me, uh, I spoke three weeks ago uh, at the the beginning of a prophetic Sunday. It was about 15, 20 minutes, and I did what I call the run-up to prophetic Sunday. And then when I was completed, we had our prophetic teams come up, and people can come up and receive a word from the Lord from these teams. So I did a a little talk at the beginning and uh, talked about gifts of the Spirit. And um, I'm going to do a little bit of review of that because I asked the Lord what should... I talk about today. This isn't an official sermon. There's no prophetic Sunday this morning, so this is like what they would call an official sermon. Um, <laughs> so it's longer, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, but I want to do a little bit of a review of what I talked about three weeks ago, and then jump off that. Uh, if you remember 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but to each one, He is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I beat that scripture down pretty good. To each one means to everyone. To everyone who comes into the kingdom and accepts Jesus Christ, they receive automatically a gift of the Spirit from the Holy Spirit. I remember I mentioned the the guy who's in prison who accepts the Lord, he immediately receives a gift. It's not conditional on where you are, who you are, what you are. Another thing that happens that is important for me to mention is you immediately become a sheep in, in Jesus' pasture. You become a sheep in Jesus' flock. So why is that important? Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And there's a lot of people that struggle with that. They say, I can't hear God. I can't hear what the Holy Spirit's saying to me. I, I, I struggle with that you automatically receive the ability to hear his voice when you became born again. It's not something you have to work for. It may be something you have to sharpen up a little bit, but you automatically got it. Stop saying, I can't hear God. It's not true. It's just not true. And stop saying, I don't have a gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, but scripturally, you don't have a leg to stand on. Okay? It says that you received a, uh, a manifestation. Remember I mentioned the manifestation is a divine display. It's an, exhibi- it's, it's an exhibition of the Holy Spirit, meaning it can be seen. So when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are moving, they can be seen, right? They can be known. It's not something that happens. You will not be moving in a gift of the Holy Spirit when you're alone in your prayer closet. How, who are you going to prophesy over? Right? These are for the common good. These are for people. Now, you can receive downloads from the Lord, and you can receive revelation. But the gifts of the Spirit are seen. They're charis gifts. They're gifts of grace that you receive. Remember we talked about a touch of the gods? In the Greek, that word charis means touch of the gods. The Greeks believed in many gods. In this context, it means a touch of God. So every person has received a touch of God to bring about manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. And it says for the common good. Who's the common? You're the common. He's talking to the Corinthians. They were the church in Corinth. 
They are the common. The body of Christ is the common. It means for the common good or the common benefit. And it says that when we were flowing and moving in the gifts of the Spirit, we have a unique supernatural advantage. You guys remember this? How did I do? This standing out to you? All right? It's good. Repetition's okay. It's all right. It's how I learn. I learn. I learn with, I'm in the um, food service business, and how I learn to do things, I always say I learn with my hands. Like if you show me to do something, I, I have to touch it. I have to use it. I have to move it. I have to, I learn through my hands. But I tell you, once I learn it, I got it, right? Uh, uh, my, in my, my company, many times, they'll send us to courses like Excel, right? Stuff like that. Microsoft, I'll sit in a room. I'll sit in front of a computer. Somebody will talk to me for three hours. I'll take a bunch of notes. I'll do a bunch of stuff. And then I'll go back to my cubicle, and I won't use it. And about two weeks later, I know nothing about Excel because I never used it. But if I start using it right away, I won't forget it because I know how I learn. The body of Christ, the church, did not catch the Trinity off guard. Jesus did not come down, live a sinless life, die, be raised from the dead, go up to heaven, and then they decided, what are we going to do with these guys? Right? It's like everyone, they're going to come to Jesus, right? They're going to accept Jesus Christ, and they're going to want to like get together. So what are we going to do with them? we got to come up with some cool stuff for them to do, all right? So what we'll do is, is we'll have them sing songs, right? Okay? Like, come on, Holy Spirit, get over here. you got to help us out because these guys, okay, we got a bunch of people because if we don't, they'll just get into trouble. So let's give them some stuff to do, all right? We'll have them worship, and uh, we'll have them put their money together. You know, communion, communion is a good one. You know, we'll do communion, and then we'll do, that'll be cool. Take them a while to figure that out, the blood, the water, you know, uh, the, the wine and the bread. That'll be good. That'll confound them for a while. Why are we doing this? And then and water baptism. That's it. We'll get them busy doing water baptism. We've got to keep them busy. Idle hands, devil's workshop. Got to keep these guys busy. The Holy Spirit, the Son and the Father were not caught off guard by the church. They knew exactly what to do. So think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just random, the Holy Spirit rummaging through some closet. Let's get some stuff, and we'll give it to them. Like, there's 67 things in there. Just pick out nine of them. All right, they can do this and this. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are strategic. They're essential. Remember, we talked about this last time. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are essential. They're not optional. And they're strategic. Now, I want you to think about the life of the body of Christ. Just meditate with me for just a few seconds here. Of all the things that the Holy Spirit could have listed in 1 Corinthians 12, these are the nine he picked out. He decided the church would need these things. Not essential. They're going to need the ability to get fragments of special information that speak to certain situations that give wisdom and directives. They're going to need also the ability to get 
fragments of special knowledge to ability to know supernaturally facts and details that they would not normally know in their mind. But they're going to need to have the ability to do that. They're going to need at time to have like bursts of faith. So that they can do supernatural things at certain events or in certain situations. They're going to need the ability to cure. Supernatural ability to cure. That, that override natural laws. They're going to need divine operation of supernatural powers that override natural laws and do it instantly and quickly. They're going to need to be able to speak on behalf of God. It's another one. Yeah, they're going to need to be able to speak on behalf of God and to speak in advance. They're actually going to know things in advance of them happening, and they're going to be able to speak those things out and declare them. Ah, that's cool. Okay, yeah, they're going to need this. It's essential. They're going to need to know the spirits that are working behind situations or behind people, yeah. right? They're going to need the ability that when they go into an event or where they're with a person, that they have the ability to see the supernatural thing that's working behind that, right? They're going to need to be able to proclaim in, in languages that people are, don't know they're going to need to be able to proclaim the will of God in a language that people don't know, and they're going to be able to need the ability to interpret that language. Yeah. Think about the gifts of the Spirit. Why of all the things did the Holy Spirit pick out these nine things and say the church essentially needs these? They not only need them, they need to be flowing in them regularly. It's good. It's okay. Because God is very strategic. And he's saying that these things are essential. These things are essential for us, not optional. And that when we're flowing in these anointings, abilities, that it's for the common good. It's for the common benefit. And it'll give us a supernatural advantage. I do too. Mr. Waller. Now, he said in the next chapter is about love. We talked about that. And then again in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, pursue love. Who remembers what pursue love means? To hunt it down like you're hunting down an animal. That's that word pursue. It means to chase something down like you're hunting it. That means if for some reason me and Mr. Waller are not getting along together, I have the Christian responsibility to chase love down with him until that thing is resolved. To chase it down and right back at me. To chase it down. It's so important that we pursue love and walk in love that he said if something's not right or something's just out of alignment, you chase it down like you're chasing your meal down, like you're about to starve to death. You go after it. It's that important. And he said, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire means what? Shout it out. 
There's a pitcher. What's the pitcher? Boil over. It means to boil over. It's the sound that water makes when it's boiling. Boil over. It means to be so hot, so intent on spiritual gifts moving in your life that you're boiling. You're boiling. You can hear things boil. You know, uh, also in, I believe it's in the tail end of 1 Corinthians 14, he said he wants us to be fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit. Earnestly desire fervent in spirit. The word fervent in spirit not only means to boil over, but what happens when you take something that's solid and you heat it to the point that it glows. He wants you to be so hot in your pursuit of spiritual gifts that you literally glow with heat. Now, I don't know the Bible all that well, but I know there's sections in the Bible that are poetic, right? Song of Solomon. There's certain areas in the Bible that are poetic. It's poetry, right? Word of God's written in poetry. I don't think Corinthians is one of them. It's not a poetic book, right? So when he says fervent in spirit, when he says earnestly desire, is that poetry? Is that God just messing with us? Like one of those things, let's set the bar so high that they go crazy trying to hit it. Does that sound like God? He's actually saying it's capable for us as Christians to bubble and glow in our heat of seeking after gifts of the Spirit. He used those terms specifically. He would not have used them if we were not capable of them. Right? You agree with me? I, you're right. If we weren't, I'll take you. You're nodding your head. I'll just look at you. I'll preach to you. Just don't move. All right? If, if we couldn't do it, why would he put it in there? Right? It's like asking your kid to do something they couldn't do. Like, you know, like get that thing off the top shelf. The kid looks at you, hey, man, I'm only this big. You know, like the little guy here. What are you doing? It's unfair. The reason he told us to do it is because we can do it. We can be fervent and hot. Why? Because he wants us to benefit everyone. You you have to pursue spiritual gifts for the common good. Here's a little thing for you. They're not just for the body. That was a a tough one for a while. People struggle with that. I struggle with that. Can we prophesy over people that don't know the Lord? That's just... For the longest time, I attended a church where that was no bueno. You didn't waste the gift on people that didn't know the Lord. That's what was taught. Come back. I'm going to get there. I take my time. Nothing but time, right? Okay. (laughs) Come on, paper. Work with me. Okay. He's talking about in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, and the ungifted man or unbeliever enters, will they not say that you're all mad? People just I'm going to say, you guys, you guys are crazy. Too much yeah. juice. <laughs> but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or ungifted man enters, 
He is convicted by all. He is called on account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. He can fall on his face and worship God, saying, Surely God is in this place. Unbeliever, there's your scripture. I love it. Remember we talked about how when we're moving in the gifts of the Spirit, it's not only for the common good, but that it testifies to Jesus Christ. When the church moves in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it actually testifies to the world that Jesus Christ is alive. Why? Because they say, remember that Jesus 2,000 years ago, the stuff that he did? Well, these people are doing the same stuff. They're healing the sick. They're raising the dead. They're making proclamations. Jesus was prophetic, right? Jesus was a teacher. He was pastoral. And so they say, wow, they're doing the stuff that he did. It testifies to Jesus Christ. And it says that even the unbeliever, if he's in one of your church services and he receives and he hears the prophetic word, even he'll say, surely God is in that place. See, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be natural and supernatural. We're supposed to be supernatural people. Okay. I'll skip that. That's too much. So the question is, how do I know what gift I have? Because let's be practical, right? How do I know what gift of the Holy Spirit I have? That's a good question. How do I tell? Uh, back in January of 2022, Pastor Zach preached on how do you know the will of God for your life. I typed it all out. I thought it was one of the best teachings. So I typed it all out, saved it in my files. How many remember that when he preached on that? How do you know the will of God for your life? First one is you look at your own heart. He said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come fully alive and go do it. The world needs you fully alive. Number two is watch how your heart connects with others. Number three, watch how your heart rises up when you see a need. Like, watch what happens to you when you see certain needs. And then remember he mentioned having a flash-forward moment where sometimes you'll just have like a vision or a dream and the Lord will show you in the future doing something. That's a flash-forward moment, he called it. Or he said, watch how others respond to you. Like, how do your friends respond to you when you're doing something that really you're in the zone and you're really passionate about? Watch how people respond to you. That's how you can tell what you're called to do. It's, it's not, uh, you don't need to take a 15-page evaluation. Look at what you're doing right now. And then finally, the last thing was prophetic confirmations. Look for prophetic confirmation of, of what's already happening. Think of it this way. How do I know what spiritual gift I'm supposed to flow in? Chick, we get invited to a dinner party, Mr. Wall and I. Clearly, I'm going to dress the best I can, but there's no way I'm going to keep up with this guy. <laughs> I mean, dude, you had me at the shoes. I, 
wish I could wear shoes like that. I love those shoes. Um, so we go to a dinner party, and everyone's in the kitchen because everyone ends up in the kitchen. They're always milling around in the kitchen. The person trying to cook is getting a little frustrated because all these people are in their way. But they always hang out. People always hang out in kitchens, which is cool with me. So you show up, and you greet everybody, and you get your hors d'oeuvres on a little paper plate, and you get your little paper napkin, and it's in your hand, and you get your beverage of choice. We'll just leave it at that. And you're talking with people in the kitchen, right? If you're John Lampanero, you're going to wander around a little bit. I like to get the lay of the land. I like to know where the back door is. <laughs> I like to know, like, where the bathroom is. That's kind of important. I like to know where any garbage pails are in case these hors d'oeuvres are not so good. So I'm going to wander around the house a little bit, right? So I'm walking around, I'm all dressed up, I got my hors d'oeuvres and my beverage of choice, and I walk down the hallway, and there's pictures of their family. Ooh, okay, that's Uncle Ernie. There's different people in their family. I never knew they went there. Okay, so I walk, and I walk into the living room, right? In the living room, there's nine people. They're the gifts of the Spirit. They're all seated in the living room. It's 8.30. They have to leave at 9. The nine leave at 9. So you have 30 minutes. Which one are you going to sit next to? Which one intrigues you the most? Which one do you say, wow, I really, that would be, Barb, it would be really cool to do that. That's probably the one you should sit next to. That's probably the gift you have. Amen. The Holy Spirit is not going to punish you and give you something that does not entertain you. He, he wants you to invest yourself. He wants you to be intrigued. He wants you to dig into this thing and learn all you can. So when you walk into the living room, which one would you sit next to? The one you sit next to is probably the gift that the Holy Spirit has given you because you want to learn more, right? Yes. Same thing if, I, if you went to an island. If I took you, Wayne, we went to Adventure Island somewhere and a helicopter dropped us off for three days. You know, and it's, and it's the last day, and they say, you can do anything you want. You can go cliff diving, you can go jet skiing, you can go parasailing, you can go scuba diving. Which one would you do? Golfing? Golfing. Because <laughs> you can't do that any other place. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's fair. It's not that hard. Which one of them intrigues you? Which one of them? All right, we got to have an adult conversation here. I'm trying to figure out if I can have an adult conversation with that little guy. He won't understand it. So we're good. We're going to have a little bit of an adult conversation. I have to use a word here that is very adult. So you good? Okay. Um, so 12 times in the New Testament, you'll hear the phrase, and Jesus, moved with compassion, healed him. Jesus saw the crowd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus, moved with compassion, told the, the apostles to have him. Twelve times you'll see that. Now, this term moved with compassion means to be moved or affected in your bowels. All right? There's two Greek words there. One is your upper organs, your lungs, heart, kidney, liver. And the other one is your lower intestines, colon, it means to be moved in your bowels by something. Now, the Greeks believed that your organs were the seat of affection 
and love and tenderness. So that when you were moved in those, you were actually being, the gods were actually speaking to you. They were actually moving you. That's what moved by compassion means. It means, now think of it. You ever doing something? You're out, whatever you're doing. I'm looking at Dave here. Dave rides bikes, I ride bikes. Dave, you ever out riding your bike and you have to go to the bathroom? It is completely distracting. You can't do anything else. You forget what road you're on, you forget everything. All you're thinking about is, I really have to go to the bathroom. Right? Completely distracting. That's why everybody here rides bikes, and I mean bikes that you pedal, Bob rides bikes. You try to take care of that ahead of time. I told you, this is a little bit adult, right? You try to take care of that need ahead of time before you hop on your bike. Or you ever go shopping? It happened to me just the other day. I was out with Mrs. Lampanero, my wife. We were out shopping. I was doing okay at the first store, not so good at the second store. Finally got to the third store. I had to go time out. Honey, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'll be right back. It means to be distracted. Something on the inside of you distracts you so that it takes your attention away from what you're doing at the moment. That's what it means to be moved by compassion. What is it that moves you by compassion? What kind of people do you walk by? What kind of people, when you're around them, you're distracted? Like somebody should do something about that. Or I wish I could help them. Or I wish I could say something to them. Any of those kind of things, it takes you out of your normal whatever, and it distracts you. You're checking out at the checkout counter, and the young lady who's checking you out, and you get a prophetic word for her. Now you're not thinking about your raspberries and your cucumbers and your loaf of bed. You're thinking, how can I get this prophetic word to her? Right, Billy? Because you're like, all of a sudden, you're like, inside, you're starting to chug. You know, you're like, I got something for this person. Right? Or there's some people I know that they say, anytime they see people on crutches, it touches them, it affects them, or a wheelchair, right? Or see people that are heavily tormented or maybe demonized. Every time you, it, for, I could, everyone else in the world could walk by them a hundred times. You walk by them, everything freezes. Something's not right. I got to do something about that. That's your spiritual gift, right? Amen. That's you being moved by compassion. This is not rocket science. The Holy Spirit loves you and he wants you to be doing your stuff and he's not making it unattainable. It's very pretty practical to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Just follow your heart. See what God's saying to you and move with it. It's simple, but we all need to do it. Now, sorry about that adult moment there. But it is amazing how some of those bodily functions take you right off the train rail. You know, it's like, whoa. And unfortunately, as you get older, it's more important that you pay attention to them. <laughs> that's, that's how these things happen. Okay, so how do I begin, John? So I'm going to get practical here. We're going to equip. I'm going to equip you. I'm not just going to teach it to you. I'm not going to give you a bunch of scriptures and you can leave and forget them or whatever until next week. This is what we got to do, encounter. This is stuff we got to do. First of all, I want you to begin to pray about it. Say, so just say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you've given to me? If you don't know, if you don't know, ask the Holy Spirit, please show me 
What is this thing? What is this thing, this charis, this grace gift that you've given to me that you want me to bless the rest of the body with? Just begin to ask him. Right? When you begin, watch how you dream. Because the things you dream about yourself doing, it's in there somewhere. Watch, because of uh, this, we have access to lots of teachers, lots of preachers, lots of people that do Christian stuff. Who do you follow? What kind of stuff do they do? Like, right now, I watch a lot of Sean Bowles. Because I'm very interested right now in beginning to move in word of, word of knowledge. It fascinates me. I love the prophetic. I'm not giving that up. But I want to be more equipped for you. So I'm beginning to pray about word of knowledge. I want to do that. When I watch Sean Bowles, I get all, <laughs> I get all like chugging on the inside. I get like, man, I'm ready. Okay. You know, I start to bubble. You know why that is? Because anointings are transferable. Anointings are transferable. Right? Remember Saul, school of the prophets? Old Testament. When he went to the school of the prophet, what happened? He started to prophesy. He left. He traveled some more. He went to another school of the prophets. What happened? He started to prophesy. Well, you're around a whole bunch of prophetic people. Anointings are transferable. It means they splash over means if you're standing next to me and you say, I've never prophesied in your life, you and I could prophesy together, you would prophesy. Why do I say that? Because I'm prophetic. My anointing is going to splash over on you, and you're going to be able to prophesy. It's how it works in the kingdom, all right? So when I listen to someone that's doing something that I'm interested in doing, I start getting all bubbly, boily. I start to boil. I start to be fervent. What is it that makes you bubble and boil? What kind of things that you watch? Who do you listen to that you like? When I listen to this person, man, you're just, you're, you're pacing the floor in your underwear. You know? You guys never did that. You're just pacing. You ever pace? You ever pace because you're so like fired up in the spirit and the Lord's doing something and you're just like, <sighs> you're just pacing, man. You're pacing. Holy Spirit's alive. You're having revival. You're having church right in your own house. Forget the, forget the underwear part. Just, just, you're fully dressed. I'm sorry I said that. Forgive me. You know what I mean? That's the thing that you should pursue. That's the thing you, that you should go after. Amen. All right, now it's going to get really, really practical. Okay? Three weeks ago, we had Prophetic Sunday. I gave a little run-up at the beginning, talked about gifts of the Spirit like I just did now, talked about prophecy. We had people come up front, teams of two. What is this called? This is a safe place. So people who are learning to move in their prophetic gifts are going to have believers come up and prophesy over them. And it's safe because believers love believers. And you understand that people grow in their anointing. So everything they said over you may not be perfect. But you love them, they love you, and you're willing to be part of the process. Right? It's a safe place. If you're serious about moving in the gifts of the Spirit, you need to create safe places. What do you mean, John? I mean 
you need to invite eight or 10 or 12 people over your house for a meeting that are interested in pursuing, oh, it got quiet, <laughs> who are interested in pursuing the gifts of the Spirit, and you need to pursue it together. Can I just pursue it by myself? It's for the common good. You can't do it alone. It's not for you, it's for them. And that's not for them, it's for you. So you need to get people together. Eight or ten or twelve people. Invite them over to your house. Say, we're, I'm going to have some people over my house and we're going to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit together. Say, John, you're going to start a home group? For like years and years? No, man. Do it like a four-meeting or a six-meeting burn. Just say, you know what? Every Monday in January, I'm going to have people come over my house that want to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to sit in a circle, and we're going to discuss the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to discuss them. If they have a pulpit in their house, throw it out the back door. We're going to discuss as a group what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. We're going to go back and forth. What does this one mean? What does this one mean? I saw this work once at this church I was at. I saw this one person here do curing. At this, you know, I got this guy. This guy's really good at this. This woman's really good at that. You're going to sit in a circle, and you're going to begin to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not teach, discuss. And then you're going to stand up and you're going to start praying over each other. You're going to lay hands on people. You're going to pray that that gift that's in them is going to rise up. You're going to stoke and provoke. You're going to heat up. You're going to turn the burner up. Get the water boiling. I love you too. Come to every time I preach. Every time. I'll just make sure, no, I'll make sure nobody's sitting in those seats. You guys sit right there. Ticket for life. Worship the Lord, discuss the Holy Spirit for 20 minutes, stand up and start laying hands on each other, and then experiment. It's a safe place. You're going to try stuff. You're going to make mistakes. Try prophesying over each other. Try getting a word of knowledge for people. Dick and Chris, stand up. These people have probably forgotten more about gifts of the Holy Spirit than I know. They are an untapped resource. Hint, hint. Get with them. Get with them. They've been at it for years. Wayne, I don't want to start calling people out. Bob, I don't know all of you. Some of you, I don't know your background. Start getting around people. Grace. And then you have a moment in the, in the time as a, as a group, you have a moment where you raise your hand and you say, and this is hard, ready? I think God has given me a gift of healing. And you go, but I don't know how to get started in it. And all the people in the room come around you and they lay hands on you and they start praying for you, and they release it, and they pray over you, and they speak over you, and then they start praying for you. They start praying for you. I think 
the Lord's given me a gift of faith or working in miracles to do miraculous stuff. And your people in your group, they stand with you and they believe with you. And the next week they say, how did it go? And, it, and you say, well, I tried, but I don't think I did it right. Well, tell us what you did. Well, I did this, this, and this. Oh, that was good. I wouldn't do the first thing, but the second and third were really good. Let's pray for you some more, right? And then the third week you get together, and you pray for each other again, and you ask each other how you're doing, and you encourage each other. It only needs to take four, five, six weeks of doing it. You don't have to have a home group for life. Safe place. Create a safe place. And please do me a favor. Don't fill the room with people that look like you. Some churches are incredibly diverse in the parking lot. Then you come in, and the young people go here, and the college people go here, and the, these go here, and the men go here, and the women go here, and the old people go here, and the young people go here, and we lost our diversity. Why do we do that? It's the strangest thing, isn't it? Got even quieter, didn't it? Don't fill the room with people that look like you. Just invite people that want to seek out the Holy Spirit and say, we're going to experiment. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to learn what it means. What, does it, what is this discerning of spirits? How does that work? Guys, this thing is loaded, loaded. If you don't know any, it's loaded with good resources, people. I can give you a list of people you can chase down. It will give you some background on gifts of the Spirit. Listen to a 15-minute video on gifts of faith, and then turn it off and pray for each other. This is, how it, this is how it happens, right? It's not going to happen in this building. You're all facing forward. I'm the only one using my gift. You're just sitting there complacent, passive, whatever. You're listening to me. You need to be in a place where you can stoke and provoke and prod and encourage one another, right? Times three right? It, it, you, this is how it happens, guys. This is how the early church met. They met in houses. They shared food. If you're Italian, you're probably going to have food out because you can't help yourself. <laughs> you're going to meet in houses. You might have some food. You might do communion together. You might sing some songs and worship, and then you're going to discuss the scriptures, and then you're going to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's the New Testament church right there. Bang. Bang. That's how it worked. That's how they did it. Right. And then once in a while, they got together. Once a week or so, they got together and listened to the apostles' teaching in the temple. But for the most time, most place, the church was in houses. And they, it was a safe place, and they got to learn. And every time a new person came in, there was lots of seasoned people there that could help them grow. And they just reproduced. And then when you got too many people, they split into two different houses. And Carol and Bill took some people. Bill and Terry took some people, and they started all over again, right? It's how it worked. It wasn't rocket science. It was just how it works. Yes. A bit of supernatural is better than a lot of natural, Amen. all right? 
A bit of supernatural is better than a lot of natural. Jack Hayford used to say, he used to say, I'd rather have to break a wild horse than resurrect a dead stallion. So when you get together, you're going to have mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. It's okay. That's what you do. Now, if you're the kind of person who doesn't get invited to groups anymore because you're really difficult, kind of a jerk, stop being a jerk. <laughs> you're laughing, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just stop doing it. And get together and you practice. Chick's got a, a gift of healing. But he's saying, you know, I don't know how to do it. So you practice it. You practice how to approach someone with a prophetic word. You don't, I don't go up to someone and say, I have a word of the Lord for you, Wayne. And the Lord would say, I say this. I say you know, at our church, we're kind of like, like we've been like kind of learning and practicing how to hear from God. And, and I, I think I got something for you. Can I try it? Like, like in Walmart or like in Target. You say, you know, in my church, we're practicing like how to listen to God. And I think I heard something for you. Is it okay if I tell you? 99% of the people will say, sure, give it a run. You don't bust out the whole Christian thing, God told me, called me, you lost them. They're going to run away from you. So you practice how to do that. How do you approach people on the street with a prophetic word? How do you approach someone and say, man, it looks like, man, it looks like you're struggling there. What, what happened to your leg? You're, you're, I see you're limping a little bit. Yeah. What, what, what happened? You know who's a master at this is Bob Grant. He really is. And you say, and you strike up a conversation. And then you say, hey, do you mind if I, uh, look, I won't embarrass you. Can I pray for you? I won't embarrass you. And then you're like, put your hand on your shoulder and you pray for him. Don't need to make a big scene. You're practicing your gift. That's how it works. It's simple. And you, and you work through stuff like that. I want you to find, look, it got, it's not going to just happen. You have to be purposeful about this. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are essential. They're for the common good. They give us a spiritual advantage. The Holy Spirit decided that everyone should be moving in them. So how do we get from there to real life? You develop safe places where people can share their heart, share their dreams, share their desires, and others can love them and come alongside them and encourage them and let them practice, let them experiment. And then, once you feel comfortable in your safe place, you start going outside your safe place, maybe in twos or threes, and maybe you go to the mall, or maybe you go to the store, and you ask God, bring somebody here that, I can, maybe needs healing. All right? All right. It's, it's, this is it. It's simple. It's easy to do. But how many people will actually say, I want to have a safe place in my house? 
I want to bring people in. I want to, I'm going to invite you in. Here's the deal. I'm going to put down guardrails. This is just about pursuing the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not going to counsel you. I'm not a pastor. If you're having marital problems, this ain't the place. Okay? Puts on some guardrails. I'm having, we're having a meeting in our house the first Monday in January. Every Monday in January, you want to come. You want to, we're, going to, we're going to learn to grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about it, and it's a safe place, and don't be a jerk. No. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You know what I mean? Learn to be nice. Play nice. Social intelligence. Right? And that's how it works. And then, when we get together on Sunday, this place will be chugging. I long to have as many people lined up here prophetically, I long to have that many people in healing. Just like Healing Sunday. People that are comfortable and confident that when they pray for people, they're going to get healed, right? And then I'd love to have kind of a sozo Sunday where people can get set free. Yeah, good stuff, man. But you need to work on your discerning of spirits, and you need to jack up your faith because it doesn't just happen in a vacuum. I'm long for it. And then we go out. We take it out. Doobie Brothers, taking it to the street. We're taking it out to the street. Look, we're supposed to be uncommon, we're supposed to be supernatural. That's the spiritual advantage that's mentioned. That's the spiritual advantage. We have something up our sleeve. <laughs> it's called the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit up our sleeve. Amen? I'm done. We're going to pray. I've been using that word, uncommon. You want to know where I got it from? Some of you probably know. I should have a Snickers bar for whoever guesses this. Anybody know that word was used from YouTube? Herb Brooks, when he was addressing the 1980 men's Olympic hockey team. Who remembers the scene? They're on the ice, and they're skating back and forth. They played a game, and they played half-hearted. And so Herb made everyone stay. And the, the stands emptied out, and the other team left. But he made his team go skate up and down the ice. He was mad at them. He said, you won't even beat a good team, let alone an Olympic team, if you skate like you skated tonight. How many remember that scene? Tell me I'm not crazy. You've got to remember that scene, 1980, all right? And then he says to him, you have to be uncommon. You need to be uncommon men, a bunch of college students, if you expect to even win one game. And it struck me. The church should be uncommon. There's no other organization in the world that has the power of the Holy Spirit residing within them. No other organization, not the Elks, not the whoever, name them. They're all good, they're all good organizations. After <laughs> you're laughing again, I'm sorry. We have the Holy Spirit. It's our advantage. He helps us. He wants us to do this stuff. Believe that. Do you believe that? He wants us 
to do this stuff, to be so fervent that we glow, that we boil and we bubble. So, Father, I pray. I talked a lot. Father, I talked a lot. But I pray that the message got through. I pray that I got it as well as everyone else, Lord, that you want us to be uncommon, that you want us to be supernatural. Lord, that you want us to bring Jesus Christ everywhere we go, both in word and deed. Lord, that a gospel without power is not good news. Lord, that you want us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere we go. And we need to be uncommon people, Lord. And I just pray, as this church that's right here on Union Street in North Chile, Lord, that we would that we would catch the vision for what you have us to be, Lord. That you've called us to be little Christs. You've called us to be Christians, Christ-like, everywhere we go. That means to say the stuff you said and to do the stuff you did, Lord. And I pray that we would catch that, that we would catch our assignment as a church. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.